This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and I'm Pastor Scott Rambo. Welcome to the classroom. Let's dive into the Word of God and see what He has to say to us today. All right. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 9. That's where we're going to start. Uh, I know I told y'all Matthew 25 and Luke. Um, uh, and we will end up there. <clears throat> but I want to start in Romans. Because I believe Romans 9 verses 1 through 8 set up uh, set up this parable quite well. Or you could say it the other way around. The parable sets up what Paul later said in Romans 9. But we'll begin reading in verse 1. Tonight's lesson titled, Not All Israel is Israel. And our question that was given to us was, What happened to the servant who is stripped of what he received from the master? And that's coming from the parable in Matthew 25. So just to give you a a glimpse of of where we're headed. So Romans 9 Verse 1 reads like this, I am telling you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. That's a first, that's a that's a sentence right there. <laughs> can can we say that? Have we had to say that before? When somebody asks you something or you're trying to explain something, can you say that your conscience, that is your inner being, your spirit testifies with the spirit that's in you, capital S? That you're telling the truth. That's how confident we need to be when we're talking about things like this. Hard to do, especially if you're if you're young in Christ, right? Should be a lot easier to do as you mature, because your confidence should grow in your ability to know the Word of God. <clears throat> it continues on that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brother and my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom belong the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises. Those who the those whose are the fathers and from whom is the, the Christ according to the flesh whom is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Verse 6. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. Period. Thank God. In other words, Paul is saying Israel was supposed to be this great and mighty nation. And even in his time, he could say they failed at that. But it's not because the word of God had failed. It's not because... God's promise had come back void. We know, looking forward into even revelations, that the covenant is going to be fulfilled, right? But not all Israel is Israel. And that's what we're getting here right now. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descendants from Israel. Nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. That is, it is not the children of the flesh whom are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. So turn now to Matthew 25. 
and we will read the parable of the talents. God's providence and the continuity of the word. Guess where we're at? This is still the Olivet Discourse. This is where we was Sunday and the Sunday before. This is the end of Matthew's account. This is the full discourse. Mark gives us a brief part of the discourse. But this actually starts back in chapter 24. So you get the signs of Christ's return, perilous times, the glorious return of Christ. You get the parable of the fig tree. You get be ready for his coming. That's where we was last week. You get the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of talents. This is all talking about end time stuff, right? This is talking about us today. As we talked about in last week's uh, service or in Sunday's service, has happened, has not yet happened, right? Some of this stuff has happened. Some of this stuff is happening. Some of this stuff is yet to happen, but we can have faith and know that it is going to happen. That's why we look at stuff like this. So verse 20, uh, 14 picks up with the parable of the talents, and we'll read through the whole thing. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Remember verse 15. That's an important thing to know. Why did the first servant get five and the second servant get two and the one get one? God knows our ability. He knows our ability, right? That's how personal God is. That's why when we get to the end of this parable, <laughs> he's personal there as well. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of whose slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Remember that. What was his reward? More responsibility. But then to enter into the joy of who? Not just, not just joy, not just happiness, but the master's joy. That's important too. Also, verse 22, also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. The master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the master. Does it matter that he had three less talents than the first one? He got the same reward. The Lord knew his ability. That's it. Matt may be able to handle more than me. Okay? I may be able to handle more than you, but God knows that, and he's not going to set us up for failure. Praise God. Amen. Right? Praise God. If you're a five-talent man, 
You have a lot of responsibility here on earth. But God knows you can handle it. Because he's going to give you the ability to handle that. If you're a two-talent man or woman, praise God. He's not going to require you to be a five-talent man or woman. Okay? But it's the same reward. He's, he's been faithful with a few things. So he's going to be rewarded with more responsibility. He's going to grow. And he's going to enter into the joy of the master. Okay? Enter into the master's joy. Verse 23, or verse 24. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scatter no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. Remember verse 25, we're going to come back to that. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew what that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scatter no seed. So he, he, the master uses his own words. Luke, In Luke's account, he actually goes ahead and tells him, I'm going to judge you by your own words. Okay. So the master's not agreeing with the slave that he's hard and he reaps where he doesn't sow. And he's, he scatters where there is no seed. But he's just using the slaves on words against him. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received the money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And he will have an abundance but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Remember that. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, our question, what happened to the slave or the servant who is stripped of what he received from the master? From that parable, what happened to him? Anybody want to say it? He was cast into eternal darkness, which would be equivalent to hell. That that's it. If we if we know that this is part of Christ's end times discourse, if he's talking about the end times, then we can say from this parable that that last servant did not make it to heaven. His reward was different than the other two. The two got. More responsibility, right? Be thinking revelations. What what do we do other than worship God forever? We we reign with Him, right? That's what the Bible says. We're, we're given responsibility. I have no idea what that means or how I'm even going to be found worthy enough to reign over things, but that's what the Bible says, and we can take it as a truth. And they enter into the rest and the joy of the Master. This last slave is stripped of everything that he has, and he's cast in the outer darkness. He's thrown in hell, y'all. He's, he's cast where the devil and his angels are going to be, the lake of fire. He's cast into the outer darkness where death, hell, and the grave is. That's where he goes. So that answers the question. That obviously is not where we're going to end it, because how do we apply that? Well, first off, make sure you're not that third slave 
right? And, and hopefully there's a spirit within you that's testifying, like Paul said, that I'm confident that that's not me, but how do we apply this to our life and how do we gain knowledge to be able to tell others? That's, that's why we do these things. So let's understand the parable a little bit. Let's break it apart. Most of this is going to be common knowledge, but I, I do believe that there is something here for us to learn from. Uh, what happens in the parable? Well, a man, a master of servants, is preparing for a long trip. He entrusts his slaves with various talents. Okay, Each slave is given talents, and talents was a weight. It, it was a measure of money. Okay, And I tried to Google to find how much that was, and it's all over the map, anywhere from $1.2 million to about $18,000. It's hard to tell. It was a large amount of money, though, for, for a slave to be given. But looking back historically, and, and we don't even have to look back historically. We can look back in the Genesis and Joseph in Potiphar's house. Joseph is a slave in Potiphar's house, but yet he's entrusted with all the affairs of Potiphar, right? That's what Genesis says. So this is the same thing. This was a common thing for a master to leave for a journey and entrust his estate with his known trusted servants, his slaves, okay? So that's what's happening here. Each slave is given talents, each according to his own ability. That's important. He didn't give a lot of responsibility to a slave that he knew couldn't handle the responsibility, right? He gave one slave five talents because he knew that slave could handle the responsibility of that amount of talents. He gave another slave two talents because he understood that that slave could handle that amount of responsibility, that amount of pressure. He didn't want that slave to be folding under the pressure of the immense burden that the master has put on that slave. Sounds a lot like us, right? God is calling us to a huge, huge responsibility. What bigger responsibility is it that rests upon the shoulders of the church than to share the gospel with a lost and dying world? We have a great responsibility, but at the same time, he doesn't call everybody to the, the same level of responsibility. That's why the local assembly is so important because together we are united into one body and we are a, a, a great, great asset. Broken apart, we can only do so much, right? <clears throat> so they're given to their own uh, ability. While the master is away, the slaves go to work doing what he commanded. So he gives them he gives them money. This very well could have been a farmer situation. We have a master who is over a business, and he has money. But this could have been a farmer, right, who, who handed out different various lev- uh, levels of seed or, or anything like that. We can think about it. It makes a little more sense to think about it like that, right? Because we're supposed to be sowers of the seed. We're supposed to sow the word. And, and you can think about it like that, too. I say that because some people today have made this parable to mean 
if you're Christians, then you're going to be given a lot amount of money. And that's not what this parable is saying, right? We understand that this is not a prosperity thing. Don't look for your $1.2 million check in the mail and say, hey, I'm sorry, I apologize. It's not going to be there. Um, the same way that you're not going to open your doorstep and see a bushel of bushel of beans sitting there and God's telling you to sow them out. That's not what this parable is talking about. What this parable is talking about is the gifts that God gives humanity. Okay, and we're going to get into that in a second. So the slave that received five talents, so they go to work. Even Matthew, we know the word immediately is all throughout Mark, but even Matthew says immediately. That's important too. The master commands, that slave turns around, and as soon as that master is gone, he goes to work. He, he doesn't wait. He goes to work. And he's given five talents, and he makes five more. The slave that received two talents makes two more. And the slave that received one talent, he hides the talent in the ground due to his self-professed fear of a hard master. Okay? When the master returns, he settles with the slaves to the one to the ones that were active and produced wealth. Uh, he rewarded them with more responsibility and the ability to enter into the master's joy to the one that did nothing with the master uh, with what the master had given him. He was punished. That slave was thrown into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, to answer that question, right? The slave was judged by his actions and he was judged to be wicked and lazy. Wicked and slothful. We can, we can use different words there. Which prompted, so the wickedness and the laziness of the servant prompted the ultimate judgment, and the master said to throw him out in the outer darkness. Okay? It's just like talking about us coming to church. You come and you tell everybody, you reap more. But if you don't, a little bit, it's just like going to church. That's it. You either come or you stay home. That's it, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and, and that's the thing to understand about a parable, is there's there's three or four different ways we could go with this parable and it, and, it, it, and it brings out truth. So when we get into talents, does God give us abilities, certain talents? And, and yes, absolutely he does. And that's part of this. Mm-hmm. But what I want us to see today is what made the servants different. Why, why were there faithful servants and why was the servant who did nothing with his talent through an outer darkness? Because to me... I want to make sure that I'm not that third servant. So I want to understand the why behind it. So that's what I'm trying to do tonight. But it is exactly what you're talking about. God's given us responsibilities and he's given us gifts. One of those gifts is a local assembly. And there's people who neglect that, especially since 2020 when when it's been made very convenient to not come to church. But that's a gift that we neglect. We need to look at it like that. That this isn't this isn't a, a it is a privilege to come to church, right? It's, it is a duty, but it's a privilege. It's a, it's an honor to be able to gather with like-minded individuals and praise God in one place. You gain strength from that, right? And many people have gone by the wayside 
they've died on their couch because they're not in the local assembly. You can only be fed so long through an IV line before that bag runs out, and then what do you do? Well, you got to go get another bag, but you can't get off. You can't get off the couch. That's it. Yes, ma'am. So let's understand this parable. We explained it. Let's understand it. So the master is Jesus. Obviously, we're we're talking about end times now. This is part of the Olivet discourse. So let's let's assign some names to to some of these characters. The master is obviously Jesus. Uh, he's going on a journey. And that's a period of time between his first and second coming. The servants are the people of the world. It's us. These people know about him. They know the gospel and the truth of the word of God because they know the master. Okay. Even, even the servant who was cast in outer darkness knew something of the master, even if it wasn't the truth. They know him. Though they're called servants, it does not necessarily mean that they are all true believers. And we see that in the parable, okay? That's why we started in Romans 9. Not all of Israel is Israel. To bring it into modern terms, not not everybody in the church is the church, right? Not everybody in this world is going gonna, is gonna to go into the master's joy. It's just, that's an inevitability. It's a horror to even think about that. But hell enlarges itself daily because there are people in this world who don't hear good and faithful servant entering into the joy of the master. So everyone that God created, so God has created people. He's the creator of everything. Everyone that God has created should serve him. The Bible says that, right? Be holy, for I am holy. That's a command for the whole world. <laughs> Everybody, be like me. Now we say, how in the world? Well, it's through Christ. We know that. There's only one way to be holy like God is holy, and that's to have a holy God living within you. Christ and his spirit. Amen? But, of course, many, many do not do this. Not all Israel is Israel. Even though the command is to the whole world, the sacrifice was for the whole world, not everybody receives the benefit or the gift, the free gift of salvation. Amen? The talents are God's gift to man because they come from the master. Okay? So these servants didn't didn't have a talent. They were given a talent. And that's why I believe that the, the one who received the five made five. He didn't make any more than five. He didn't make less than five because he was given five talents. The one who received two made two. He didn't make one. He didn't make three. He didn't rise to the occasion and make five like the other one because the other one made five. Whatever God has given you ability-wise, gift-wise, Whatever fruit you have in your life, you bear out because the Spirit has given that to you. You don't create new fruit. You, you bear what's given. You bear what's given. That's it. That's why. So as a pastor, I'm supposed to have certain certain aspects, certain talents, certain characteristics. 
And if I was not created to be a pastor, I can't create that in myself, right? I, I can only be what God has made me to be. That's the way I see that. That's why, because I've often, that, that was a question I had. Why, why did they only make what they were given? Well, because they didn't have to begin with. They, they were given certain things by God, and I can't create godly things in my life. Only an apple tree gives apples. That's it. Tree gives That's it. And but I can't create that. I can't be an apple tree. And they're slaves too, so they have no authority other than what's given by the master, and they have no property other than what is given by the master. That's it. That's it. So and, and that's I believe that bears bears out in the word of God that that we bear the fruit of the spirit. I don't produce the fruit. The fruit's produced in me, and I bear forth that, like that apple tree. That bears forth apples. That's because what was planted in me was an apple seed. So I bear forth apples. I can't be bearing apples and then think one day, but it would sure be cool to have an orange out there. Right? And you see that mentality a lot, especially with people who preach and aspire to preach. Or, or And I use that because I it's 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 in my mind. Um, it, could be a, it could be anything. Boy, it'd be really cool to be the guy behind the pulpit until you're the guy behind the pulpit and, and the responsibilities it meant. And it's, it's, it's very, very difficult at times. Without God's help, it's impossible to do. Um, but if God has not planted within you the gift or the talents to be a mouthpiece for him, you're not going to be a mouthpiece for him. Right? You're just not. So... We bear five, or we bear five because we were given five. We bear two because we were given two. And uh, we see in this parable that some of the servants are true servants or real believers, and others are disobedient, rebellious, because they're not true believers. So the talents are uh, God's gift to man, and they come from the master. If you want to turn to Ephesians four. We'll read a few scriptures. Is it the ones you have printed on Yes, ma'am. They are on your handout. I was using that as a time to take me a little drink. <clears throat> so Ephesians 4. Why is it important where the gifts come from? Because we're talking about spiritual things. So they have to come from a spiritual place. Uh, Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, uh, captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. So what were the two things that happened at his death? Well, he led cap- captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Right? Pretty cut and dry there, but we'll continue on. Now this expression, he ascended. This is cool. This is Paul's commentary on Paul's writings. So you want to talk about different commentaries and whatnot? I got several of them in the office, but Paul is about to explain what he just said because he knew, hey, that was kind of a that was kind of a hard saying. Like people may not understand that. I, I love I love God and his ability to look forward into time and go, Scott Rambo is going to have a hard time discerning verse 8, so I'm going to make a verse 9. 
So therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might feel all things. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attend in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Okay, so Jesus Christ gave gifts to us. That's what these talents are. So what are the talents? Well, just to name a few, the gospel, the gift of the Holy Spirit, our God-given abilities, our God-given material possessions, the gift of life, like things that we can't produce in ourselves. It's God-given gifts to us. That's what we've received tonight at salvation is you received life. You didn't have that before. What does the Bible say? We were dead. Spiritually, we were dead. And we have been resurrected with Christ into this new life which bears forth fruit from the gifts that we've been given. So notice the difference between the faithful servant and the unfaithful servant. This is, this is for us tonight. This is the difference, right? This answers my question. This is the difference between the faithful servant and the unfaithful servant. This is the difference between the servant who produced or who bore out from his gifts and the one who went and hid the talent, the one who did not bear out, the one who did not do what the master said to do. So the faithful receive the talents and presented growth. Okay. When the master inquired, they gave what was bore out of the original gift, but held close what they had received. I'm going to read that again, and then we're going to read verses 20 through 23. The faithful received the talents and presented growth. When the master inquired, they gave what was bore out of the original gift, but held close to what they had received. So let's go back to verse 20. This is the master is coming and he's, he's settling the debts. He's figuring out what happened. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See that I have gained five more talents. So he's only bringing five. He's bringing five talents to the master. He said, this is the gift that you, that you gave me. This is the talents that you gave me. Here's five more. And he presents the five more to the master. Okay? Verse 22. The master says to him, well done, you good and faithful slave. Okay, verse 22. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. So, so think of it in your mind. Let's lo- use our imagination for a second. I'm standing in front of my master, and I have two talents in one hand. I have two talents in the other hand. 
Okay, I'm, I'm bringing the original gift and I also have what I have earned or what I have, well, I don't want to use earned, what I have bore out of that original gift, okay? Uh, master, you entrusted to me two talents. So as I'm talking here, look, I'm presenting two talents, okay? C, I have gained two more talents. And he presents the two more talents. And then out of that, well done, good and faithful slave. Right? You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the master. So they gave the master what was produced out of the gift, but they held close to what they had received. Be thinking salvation. Right? Does God ever require us to give our salvation to him? Can you, can you find that in the word, even through revelations? or No, we're saved in Christ, right? That's a gift that's been given to us. Now, when we're judged, the Bible says that we're all going to be judged. There's, there's different judgments. So we're given rewards and, and things like that. We're going to have an account to give. What did you do with that original gift? I've given you salvation. I've given you these gifts to men. What did you do with it? And you're either going to hold close, close, close to that grace and that salvation and say, through this, through this gift, through this gift of salvation, all these things have happened. Here's my good works, but it's because it's come through salvation, right? And he's going to say, enter in, you good and faithful servant. And you're going to be rewarded upon what you bore out of those gifts. Okay, but now let's look at the unfaithful, because I believe this is the key. What what makes what's the difference between the slaves, right? What's the difference between the servants? The unfaithful received the talent, but because he did not know the master's true nature, hid the gift for fear. And when the master inquired, he blamed the master for his fear and gave back the talent. Did you notice that when we read it? So let's look. Verse 24. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. So we're going to read that again. And the one who also had received the one talent came up and said, Master, now be thinking, thinking about your salvation. Just that sentence right there. Is it God's salvation? Well, you would say yes. It's salvation through God. This is my, it's personal, right? This is my salvation. Doesn't mean that I did it or I earned it, but I take ownership of it, right? God has done a mighty work for me, for me. He has given me a free gift. I have received that gift, and I hold fast to that gift. That's my gift, right? Now let's read it here. This servant never shows ownership of the gift, not like the other ones. You, I, I received these five talents. I received these two talents, and I give you these. Right. 
He said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. I was afraid and went away and hid your talent, your talent, in the ground. See, you have what is yours. You can almost, in your mind, you can almost see this slave giving, giving that one back. Okay, if we're saying that, like, these gifts to men is grace and salvation and the gospel, it, now this slave is giving that back to the master. He's rejecting, He's rejecting it, right? He had, no fruit. he had no fruit because he it never he took root, <laughs> right? He, he, he just rejected the gift that he gave. So he that took he never took ownership of it. That's just it. And that's I believe that's what this parable is saying because we can look at the gospel, okay? Look at the great commission. What did Christ tell the disciples, the, the apostles, then apostles? Go out and make disciples of all men, of all tongues, of all nations, right? Spread the gospel. We know that John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This, these gifts that Christ give to men, plural, the world, was to every single person ever born. There's only one gospel. There's only one salvation. There's only one Lord. There's one baptism, right? It's either through Christ or it's not at all. Everyone has been given this opportunity. God didn't have to send his son. He didn't have to make a way. He didn't have to show himself to the world. He could have just created the world and just let it let it all go. But he has shown himself to us. First through his creation, then through his son, now through the gospel and the word. So those who have received the gift given to man by God through Jesus know him as a master. Right? We, we we believe in lordship salvation around here. Like if you're saved, he's your Lord. You're his servant. Okay? So we definitely know him as master. All three knew him as master. Okay? So we're not separated at this point. All three knew him as master. I'm not saying that he wasn't a hard man. We can go to John six and sixty six. There was plenty of people who thought Jesus was hard. He said some hard sayings, right? And, and they turned and followed him. They rejected that. And they turned and followed him no more. They didn't really know him. They didn't he know didn't him. Have, yeah. He didn't know he did he he didn't know the master like he should have. He didn't have the proper relationship and but he had misjudged yep. what he had done the character. Yep. Uh, and and so what he did was he took that and he hoarded away, afraid to lose it because if he thought if he did something with it, I mean I can see where he mm-hmm. could have thought, Well if I do something with it and I lose it, well then he's really gonna be hard on me. But where the others knew the master, yep. they you know, it was it, it was, and so if he would have lost it the master wouldn't have been so hard here because that's not who he was in this hell here. That's not who he was. And he would have accepted even like doing attempting to do something with it. But instead he just took and just held it to himself and didn't attempt to well, even you, you said a mouthful right there and it's is he knew of him <clears throat> but he didn't know him. And because of that, he constructed his own master in his head. Same thing that people do today. You say, do you know God? Every single person you talk to is going to say yes. Every single person is, do you know God exists? Yes. 
especially around here. Yes. But if you actually talk to that person, the God that they know may or may not be the God of this Bible. They know enough to be dangerous is the word is is the turn of phrase. And and they've constructed this God that that does horrible things and does this and does that. And how could you serve a God like that? We've all heard these things. Right. Well, I can serve him because he's perfect and he's good and he's holy. And that's how I know him, because I actually know I know him. This servant knew that he was a hard man. In other words, you look in the original Greek, what that means is that it was his way or no other way, right? And that servant knew that, but he didn't know him. And you said a mouthful when you said it scared him to the point that if he lost that talent, what would happen to me? And let me tell you something. That is a hard way to live a Christian life in fear of losing something that God has given you. But them other two knew that they were given this talent because God, the master, God knew their ability. And he would never have entrusted them with something that they were going to lose. Right? So the uh, those who have received the gift given to man by God through Jesus know him as master deserving reverent fear. Right? We all, everybody knows that. They also know him as Lord and Savior. These are, these are the faithful servants. So we, we continue on in our knowledge of God. He's not just a taskmaster. right? He's not just somebody who's waiting for us to fail to beat us over our head. He's also our Lord and our Savior. Okay. We also know him as friend that cleaves closer than a brother. right? The more and more you learn of God, the more and more you learn of our Lord, of our Master you see how close he actually is. Like we were enemies, but he chose, the Bible says, to call us friends. Okay? So he's not just a hard man or a master to use the parable. He's not just a God who is over everything and knows we're going to fail and is waiting for us to fail. No, he's there to catch us even before we fall and to guide us around those things. That's what a faithful servant knows. So those who know him only as one who says hard things, like those in John 6 and 66, fail to receive the gift into themselves and therefore can bear nothing of God. If, if nothing is ever planted in you, I can't bear it out. Okay, I can hold it for a while. We can go to the parable of the sower and the different soils. Right? There's, there's, there's those that could care less about the things of God. There's others who receive it with joy and then realize they didn't count the cost and they're burned up and they're left. There's those who even endure for a while but, but realize that God isn't their first love and they go for that thing. And then there's the good soil who endure to the end because God is their master, but he's also their Lord and their Savior and their friend, right? The significance of this whole parable is where the talents come from. So they come from God. They don't come from us. And whether or not we truly know the master. So you can read. We could go hours on just that word, know. Do a word search in the Bible. Go from Genesis to Revelations and realize how intimate um, 
our relationship with God is supposed to be. Okay? I knew my wife as Tabitha Dunn before we were married. I know my wife now. We are a lot closer now. Right? Because we have a biblical marriage and that's the way that it's supposed to be. I know her deeper than I... I learn new things about her every day. Right? Same thing in our spiritual walk. There was a time where I knew God. God knew me. He knew me way more intimately than I knew him. And it's been my life's mission to know him like he knows me, even though I know I'll never get that close. But one day I will. That's the key to eternal life, is it not? It's with Jesus to enter into the master's joy that we understand where our goodness comes from. I know I'm not good, but I have good in me. That must come from God. That changes a few things the way we think, right? I'm bearing forth this fruit, and it's not coming from me, but it's coming from me. You know, uh, one one thing I was wondering about or thinking about in here is the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. You know, this we could use this parable like that. You know, here we got three Jewish people, and you know, it could be that. They they know they're God's chosen people, mm-hmm. and it, but the ones that really love Him, serve Him, and know Him as Master. That's it. And then you have the ones that are coming in on the coattail. Well, I was born Jewish. Mm-hmm. I can tell you back where my descendants were. You know, and uh, I'm God's person. Yeah. I'm God's people. Yeah. He's gonna take care of me. Yeah. And you know, I'm just gonna give Him back what He gave me was my name or my birthright. Yeah. You know. As well, that that's just it, and, and you can see that in this parable that that's really what that's really what Paul or Saul at that point thought that whenever he entered into Sheol, into paradise, into this next life, whatever he was going to present his credentials, and God was going to go, oh wow, tribe of Benjamin, oh wow, Pharisee of the Pharisee, oh Hebrew of the Hebrews, nice, come on in. When he had never received that gift until Damascus Road. <laughs> Right, And then he shunned everything else, and he, he followed after Christ at that point. He received that gift, and nothing else mattered. Everything that come out of that flowed out of that Damascus Road experience. Which we have to be the same way. Yeah, that's it. And, it. and we have to be just like Paul that said, neither Jew nor Gentile, neither Jew nor Greek. Before, he would have never said that. He would have said, shun the Gentile, it's only the Jew. <laughs> right? But after that, he said, it's Christ. What's that saying that we've used our whole Christian life? The ground's level at the foot of the cross. But that's that's truth. When we see Christ for who he is, when we see God for who he is, we understand exactly who we are. <laughs> We're no different from anybody else. So remember Romans 9, right? Not everyone who claims to be a true servant of God is. Okay, That's just that's a fact. Not all Israel is Israel. The way we know that we are, it's in our daily walk as we actively wait on our Lord's coming. So so we're active in this. We don't hide. You know, when someone says, don't you go to Abundant Grace, you don't cower away. You know, aren't you one of those Bible thumpers? However they say it. No, there's there's something that comes, that wells up into me and, and out of that comes... Yes, I'm a believer because it's truly who I am. It's what I am. 
Those who have uh, received the gift and, and bear it openly, these are these are faithful servants. Okay, there were those who uh, hear enter in, good and faithful servant in the end. We want to be a faithful servant. Those who receive the gift and hide it, that is, they are presented the gift and they hide from it or discard it completely by giving it back. Those are the ones who will be stripped of all and cast in the outer darkness. I want you to see that as we end. Look back at the end of this parable in uh, in verse 29. So we've established that he was he was given one talent, he was presented with one talent, and he gave that talent back. He gave that gift back. Okay. For to. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have abundance. That's talking eternal life, right? We're going to have way more in God's eternity than, than we have here. Thank God. But from the one who does not have. So now this is starting to make a little more sense. What, what, don't, what doesn't he have? The gift, right? For the one who does not have, even what he does have, shall be taken away. So all these worldly possessions and things that people put their faith and hope and trust in, one day even that's going to be taken away from them because they don't cleave to the one thing that matters. And that's the gift. Okay? So have we all been given talent? Yes, absolutely. And we could have took it that way, and that's 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 a way that we can take it. That is a truth. But out of those talents, do we cleave to the gift? Because that's what matters. Amen. You've been listening to the Learning Curve podcast brought to you by Abundant Grace Church here in DeVille, Louisiana. Uh, We invite you to look at our webpage. It is www.abundantgracechurchonline.com. There you can find all the different ways that you can uh, be in contact with us. Thank you. Thank you.